Podcast, a willy-nilly talk show about baseball, life, and the occasional knee slapper. So grab your Cracker Jacks, sit back, and relax. It's gonna be a doozy. Here's your host, the Beat Hey, baseball fans, welcome to the World Series. I've got Boston in five. All right, it's been fun. We'll see you next week. Gotti! Gotti! (laughs) (laughs) It never gets old. It never gets old. This is the Ball and Mitt Podcast. I am your host, Brian Brammer, and this is episode 13. And it just dawned on me. My apologies. I never gave the answer to the knuckleball trivia from three weeks ago. So let me give you that answer. We're not going to do knuckleball trivia this week, okay? Let me give you that answer, update you on what's going on here in Denver and in my personal life. Uh, If you don't care, it's fine. Uh, My mom, it'd be good for her to hear it. I'm sure she's worried. And then we'll hammer into this week's topics and hardball headlines, okay? So here was the knuckleball trivia question from three weeks ago. Sorry. I'll try to be more consistent. What feat, what accomplishment did Brett Boone and Mike Cameron do in 2002? I think it was uh, May. And so the answer was they hit back-to-back home runs twice in the same game and in the first inning. So I thought that was pretty impressive. I don't, I don't remember that game. I probably would have been uh, 19 at that time. So going to college, you know, doing stuff, putting on the freshman 15. In my case, it was like the freshman 30, um, talking to girls, wanting to punch guys in the face that just sat outside and played their guitars and sang to impress the girls. So didn't like those guys. They had very punchable faces. Um, anyway, I could go on and on about that, but let's, let's stick to the main topic. I have a tendency to kind of go off the rails. I'm sure you guys have, have, you know, witnessed that by now. So, Let me give you a quick update on what's going on with my life. It actually pertains to the channel. It pertains to to baseball and writing and a bunch of different things. And then I want to talk about the past two games of the World Series. So we had a game Tuesday and Wednesday, both of which Boston won. And then there's a couple things I want to talk about that have just happened, uh, whether it's, you know, it's not during the World Series, just baseball in general. And then we'll hit two topics, okay? Two topics that I want to talk about. So the first, first update here is this. I had mentioned on Twitter maybe about a month ago, maybe actually sooner than that or early uh, later than that, that I was going to go back to broadcasting school. And I originally were, was going to go to the Colorado Media School, but I determined that that schedule didn't work for me. Uh, I believed it was going to be a lot of, not a lot of classroom time, but learning the ropes of like reporting and getting information. And I wasn't really that interested in that part of it. Yes, I'd like to maybe be a personality one day, on the radio, but if as far as I get as this podcast, that's fine. This is fun. I enjoy this, but I really want to learn more about audio engineering, how to work a board, how to produce and create an awesome show. So I am going to be uh, participating in Radio Connection, and I'm going to be doing it's a one-on-one mentorship. So I have some some schooling stuff to do at home with some some curriculum, but I'll also be spending seven to ten hours a week with a mentor one-on-one. So I get to see how the sausage is made. I get to be with him during a busy week that he has. And I'm actually going to be in an area called uh, Centennial here in Colorado. It's about 25 minutes south of Denver, south of me. 
and I'm going to be working with Westwood One uh, Radio, uh, one of the biggest, if not the biggest, um, owners of the airwave. So I'm very excited about that. It, it could have some potential uh, opportunities for job placement, maybe not right away. I'm still understanding how this works. Sometimes it's very difficult to take an entry-level position. I just want to be creating this content. It, it's a blast for me. So I'm kind of kick-starting a new career. I left my career five years being a manager with the, the educational research tech area, and I'm in a new city. Now's the best time to do this. I'm going to struggle a little bit, you know, but that that's what you do for, for your passion. So that's one piece, okay? Um, also, I'm trying to contract some jobs or be a contractor for jobs and hoping to do some podcasting, audio editing as a, what the cool kids call a side hustle. And so I'd be able to offer very low rates because I know I'm new to this. I'm not going to sit there and ask for the for the um, industry standard when it won't. It'll take me longer to do it, and I'm just getting into this. So, um, so that's one thing I'm wanting to do to get a little extra money. But what else is cool is I was contacted uh, by a guy that you know we've had several conversations on the phone that that last anywhere from hour and a half to two hours, and you guys can can understand that it's probably me just going on and on and on. Uh, but he's a talker as well, which is great. Uh, we've become BFFs. Uh, so anyway, he had approached me, uh, Johnny Black. He had approached me to be a MLB, a, a baseball contributor to the Scorecrow. Okay, the Scorecrow.com. It's an awesome little website. It's awesome because you know I'm writing for him now. Let's be honest. Uh, but a great group of guys and and gals writing about sports, and I'm doing a lot of opinion pieces in it. And so. The two main topics I want to talk about tonight are about two pieces that I wrote. Uh, one's about Manny Machado. Hopefully, you guys can look past me being an Orioles fan because he's in LA now. I I don't. There's no bias there. I'm going to try to be completely objective as, as much as I can. I still wish the best for him, but he's not in Baltimore, so let, let's let's move on. Okay. So I'm a contributor to the Scorecrow doing MLB pieces. Uh, there are also others that write Major League Baseball. Uh, a lot of fantasy stuff. So if you really are into fantasy baseball, we're going to have a lot of stuff for you guys, a lot of information, uh, a lot of things to really do some research on. We're going to do a lot of research for you so that you can approach next year's fantasy baseball season uh, ahead of the game. Uh, eat your heart out, Baseball America. Uh, so, and we have got uh, people who are writing for the NFL, for the NHL, for the NBA. Uh, so it's it's an awesome community. And so I've met a lot of uh, a great uh, people within that area. And it's just fun. I, I'm finally starting to kind of get my feet wet a little bit. So that's kind of an update on my life and why things have been so crazy. I'm still looking for a job. I think I have found one that's very flexible. It's, it's contract work, which allows me to meet with people, do some writing, uh, do some podcasting, podcasting editing. And, and so, you know, I have to watch my dollars a little more than usual. But, you know, it teaches responsibility. God forbid we learn more about responsibility. Uh, so that's what's going on in my life and how it kind of plays into the show and how I'm trying to hone my skills to, to provide you guys better content uh, and hopefully doing some some interviews. Got a couple uh, lined up. So uh, bear with me. This is fun. This is great. Interact with me on Twitter um, at Ball and Mitt, and we'll have a grand old time. Okay? So that's me. Now, I want to talk about the first two games of the World Series briefly. Briefly. All right? So I was actually on a podcast, a Tom Green podcast, uh, it was on YouTube, and I think he just recently moved his platform to Anchor. Uh, Anchor, I think, .fm. I think that's originally where I was going to start, and then I, I changed directions. But I was on a podcast with him, 
uh, and Johnny Black, the, the chief editor of The Scorecrow, and we were talking about baseball. And he asked us what our predictions were for the World Series. So we recorded this on Monday night. So my prediction was Boston in five games. I mean, it was a bold prediction because you think about it, these are the two, seemingly the two best teams, the best in the AL, which is legit 108 wins, Boston, and the best in the NL, which Milwaukee had a better record, uh, but you know records always don't indicate better teams, but a lot of times they do. So LA made it here. So I'm going to say these are the two best teams representing each league. And after seeing game one, people just blew up after game one. The starting pitchers had a terrible game. I mean, I wouldn't say terrible. That's kind of how the media is saying it. But they had, you know, they made some mistakes. But here's the thing. They're pitching against major league hitters. So I, what I saw with these two pitchers, uh, Clayton and Sale, it wasn't an anomaly. This stuff happens. Like you, you miss your spots, and it could be three to zero right away. So I don't think that's a, a big deal. The starting pitchers they struggled. Um, you know they they left pitches hanging. Uh, they walked a lot of batters, but but the the ones that are in the batter's box they have to hit the balls too. So like there's still another side of this. So let's not jump to these guys are terrible. They stink. They're not playoff ready. Clayton Kershaw, you know he's terrible. Let's get rid of him. Like he's had his struggles, but you know it, it is what it is. Now. The biggest difference that I'm seeing between Boston and LA, and it's what I predicted in my actual um, predictions of the World Series winner, Boston always does two things. One, they always respond. Whenever LA scored or went ahead, I don't think they, they might have gone ahead like one to nothing, one point or two to one, but they always respond either the next half inning or the next inning with their own a string of, of base hits. They don't have to hit the long ball, which is awesome. This is what I like about Boston is it's not all about the the three true outcomes. They string together hits. Uh, it's old school baseball and I love it. And you're showing that it's it's it still works. But the second thing they do is they just execute. When the managers have them do something, when there are runners in scoring position, they make the hits when it matters. I think game two, it was two to two and JD uh, Martinez, he just dumped a little... Um, single opposite field that got the runners home from second and third bases were loaded. It's not about crushing it and knocking off the wall and celebrating like you just you know hit it 500 feet or you know, you know nailing it over the wall. It's it's about seeing a pitch, making contact, fighting it off if it's not a pitch you like, but but going the opposite way. These are just solid hitters and they're executing when they need to. And I think that's the big difference. So they always respond when the other team does something, and then they always execute. So that's the difference between an awesome Boston team and a good LA team. Uh, David Price's performance, last two starts have been great. He's been great. I don't know what he's doing. I know he shared a little bit of um, things that are going like, and maybe his mindset has changed. But but regardless, you know, do I think David Price is back? I don't know. Like it's it's funny how when you when you read the news and one thing happens, and then it happens again, everybody's like, oh no, trade him. He's a terrible pickup. It's just they jump to conclusions to to make a storyline to to clickbait you into reading their stuff. Now I'm not a reporter, and I'm not going to start thinking. Oh, now I'm a contributor for the Scorecard. I'm an expert now. I don't think that at all. People who do this writing, um, they're you know, a lot of them. Most of them went to school for it, so you know they have a special 
skill with the English language, with vocabulary. So I'm not taking anything from it. And, and the fact that they have to crank this stuff out, I'm doing mine just whenever I want to and as much as I want. So there's deadlines. So I get it. I'm not underplaying that, that type of thing. But it's just media in general, not a specific person. It's not showing a lack of skill. It's just the fact that let's be the first to report this regardless if it's accurate. Let's give it a clickbait title so people can read it because if we get the most views, it's going to bring traffic to our site. We're going to make money. And that's what it's about. It's about money, not about facts. Now, that's a hyperbole, but I think there's a lot of truth to it. So David Price's performance, he's doing great. If if it goes beyond five, I think we'll see David Price again. And if he can really be clutch during that time, uh, he may even be, I don't know, I don't want to start saying he's the, you know, playoff MVP. I, I don't because, you know, he's doing his job. He went six innings, three hits, three, no, two earned runs. That's a great line. That's a really great line. So proud of David Price. I'm glad he's he's buckling down and Boston's getting uh, him the offense. Yeah, I think it's it's awesome. So like I said, my prediction is Boston in five. I do not think, and I've seen this on Twitter, the World Series is coming back to Fenway. It's just not. And so let's just go ahead and, and make a prediction here. I think Boston will lose this first game in LA. They'll adjust and they'll win the next two. So it's going to be 4-1, and they're going to be celebrating um, in LA. So that's my prediction. Okay, let's uh, let's attack these uh, hardball headlines. Now, Cardinals Yadier Molina. Guy's a stud. He's got a cannon throwing from his knees. Well, he won the 2018 Roberto Clemente Award. So this reward honors a player who embodies the humanitarian spirit of Roberto Clemente, who died in a plane crash while delivering aid to Nicaragua in 1972. I I got that that explanation of the award from thescore.com. So Molina's organization, Foundation 4, has been aiding victims of Hurricane Maria, which completely devastated the island of Puerto Rico. I tried to say that correctly. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of proud of myself. Okay, so he was he was actually supposed to accept this reward or award. I keep saying reward. I'm sorry. Either or. Uh, before game two of the World Series in Fenway, but he was unable to travel there from Puerto Rico. Uh, so he sent the following message through his Twitter account, and I wanted to read that to you because I thought it was uh, I thought it was a cool message. He says, "Hello, fans." Yadi Molina here. I am so sorry I couldn't be there to accept the prestigious Roberto Clemente Award in person, but I am currently in Colombia managing the next generation of Puerto Rican baseball stars on the under-23 national team plan in the Baseball World Cup. I tried my hardest to be there in person, but the travel was just impossible, so I sent my lovely wife and kids to be there for me. This award means more to me than I can express. As a native Puerto Rican, Roberto Clemente was everything I ever wanted to be growing up. He loved the game. He loved his island. He loved people. I pride myself in all of these things. So for me, when Hurricane Maria hit Puerto Rico last year, I knew I wanted to make him and my island proud by serving any way that I could. Thank you from the bottom of my heart to the Cardinals organization for nominating me, to MLB for recognizing the great Roberto Clemente year after year, and of course to the fans for supporting me and my foundation's relief efforts this year. I wish I could be there, but just know that this honor is one of the proudest of my life. Good luck to the Dodgers and Red Sox for a great World Series. Thank you. And I want to let you know, I interpreted that. That was completely written in Spanish. 
and I read the whole entire thing, you would have never known that I was bilingual. Um, I'm a big fat liar. I really didn't. That was translated. Uh, so that was awesome. Like I, I'm, I really like when players like this understand that baseball is just one facet of their life. It's just one thing that they do. And there's so many other things that they want to accomplish and, and, and build this legacy other than, hey, he can catch the ball, throw the ball, and hit it really far. There's so much more to life. And and I like this award. I, I think it's awesome. I like to see, you know, you've got, um, man, what is his name? I always forget. Uh, Texas, um, Houston Texans, uh, J.J. Watt. He very involved with a lot of, um, you know, natural disasters in the U.S. during you know, relief and that type of stuff. I, you know, Adam Jones is huge in Baltimore. I, I had to bring up a Baltimore guy, right? So I love this kind of stuff, and I, I think it needs to be uh, mentioned. Okay, next, Minnesota Twins hire Rocco Baldelli as its new manager. He will be the youngest manager in the majors. He is replacing Paul Molitor, who led the team to a below 500 win percentage in his four seasons there. Um, Baldelli, Baldelli was also a finalist for the Toronto uh, Blue Jays open position, but obviously turned it down. <laughs> and you know what just hit me? A lot of these new managers were former players that I watched growing up. I, now, I remember my dad saying, hey, I remember watching so-and-so play when I was young and now he's coaching. Well, now I'm saying the same thing. Here's your sign. Break out the walker, Gertrude. Let's get me fitted for dentures and hit up Costco for that bulk tapioca pudding. I've arrived. The bright citizens of Houston, Texas sure are showing their IQ. Belly Up Sports reports that after the Red Sox put the nail in the coffin on the Astros season, the losing team's fans went on a rampage on the streets of Houston. In an attempt to quote, stick it to the Red Sox and show their displeasure of the club that knocked them out of the playoffs, Astros fans hopped in their cars and drove them into Boston Market restaurants. Get this though, all right? This, this is the funny thing. There was also an isolated incident of a drunk fan driving a car into a Red Lobster because he was under the impression that Red Lobster was a Boston food chain when it is actually based in Florida. Belly Up Sports also cites the following police report. Quote, from roughly roughly 11.30 p.m. last night, so I think this was October the 19th, till 4 a.m. this morning, the October 20th, exactly eight Boston markets were driven into by vehicles in the Houston metro area, as well as a Red Lobster, said uh, Metro North Houston City Police spokesman and local Panera Bread franchise owner, Sean uh, Ellinger. Suspects have been apprehended for all nine of these incidents, and it, has, uh, it is our belief that these were coordinated attacks through social media in relation to the baseball game last night. In unrelated news, the Panera Bread in Midtown is currently offering 20% off all seasonal sandwiches. Um, so, so there's that. Uh, that's funny. Belly Up Sports, um, it, a great little site. They actually have a news, a very well-written news. And um, they actually, I think, have five podcasts that they, I don't want to say sponsor, but like there's this court cons- uh, consortium of sports podcasters that kind of have their platform on that website. So bellyupsports.com, a great site. Uh, check that out. All right, final thing here is the score.com reported that Dodgers, this is funny, this is just sad, that Dodgers pitching coach was irked by brutal visitors' bullpen at Penway Park. Penway Park? Fenway Park. I said this, the dyslexia coming out. The bleachers, okay, are about three feet away from where the opposing team's pitcher warms up uh, pre-first pitch. Brutal. 
pretty brutal, was the pitching coach Rick Honeycutt's take as he spoke with Tom Verducci. Honeycutt continues, what I don't understand is why baseball allows it. You've got the rubber right there and people literally standing over you. Yeah, because that's why Kershaw struggled in game one. He had others looking over his shoulder while he was trying to do his job. That never happens in the real world. No, micromanaging, never. Hey, so let's take on the laborious and daunting task of restructuring an iconic ballpark bullpen that every opposing pitcher in the history of the MLB has had to work in when visiting Boston. Sure, anything for you, honey. Cut. All right, no trivia today. I apologize. But let's get into our two main topics. Number one, my first article I wrote was about Manny Machado. Okay, it was entitled Dirty or Dumb. And so I want you to go and read it. It's real simple. So I'm just going to highlight some things uh, because I wrote it and I wanted to talk more about uh, what I think because you can only express so much in like five to 700 words. Okay, so my, my basic premise is this. Calling a athlete, calling an, an athlete, a dirty player, it's, it's quite an accusation. I, I think what's, what's behind this accusation is anger towards that player. Uh, we all have those players we just love to hate because either they're really good. Because let's be honest, guys, Manny Machado, he's good. He's a stud uh, defensively, offensively. Like, like He is one of the best now shortstops, uh, but, but baseball players currently in the league. Okay, I I definitely say he's top five, maybe even a top three. But you know, maybe you think there's some bias that, but and and maybe it's because I watched him more than I've watched like Christian Yelich or um, Mike Trout. So I've seen some awesome plays that maybe I don't want to say that no one else has, but even when he does routine plays, they look awesome. So that's that. If that's my bias, that's fine. So saying somebody is a dirty player is a lot different than saying that was a dirty play. You know, um, your child or your friends, they've lied to you and they might have lied to you often and not all the time, but just often. But does that make them a liar? Someone might cheat, um, I don't, for whatever reason at a, at a game or they've made a mistake with, you know, cheating at work in some aspect, like, you know, stealing is, is, is a, is a type of cheating. It's deception. Um, and, that it's a mistake, but I wouldn't consider that, you know, I wouldn't call them a, you know, a cheater unless it, unless it's actually something that happens uh, just habitually week after week, uh, month after month, and it actually starts to become a, a part of who they are. So when you call someone dirty, you're making a personal assessment on their character. And I just think that's a very strong accusation. And I think we throw that word around because it's easier to call someone dirty or it's easy to call someone a liar or a cheater rather than sit down, think about the evidence, think about the words that come out of our mouth so we don't end up looking ignorant. And we just throw out that word and we use it flippantly. I'm not willing to do that. And so I, I've seen Manny. We, we've had the incident where he I slid into Dustin Pedroia. I've seen that play. I, I, I don't think it was intentional. I don't think he's sliding there and said, let me take Pedroia out. I think it's one of those things where he's sliding. He knows his his feet are kind of sticking up and he's just like, you know, whatever happens, happens, but I'm not trying to harm him. That's just dumb. That's just irresponsible. And I think it just makes him immature. It's nothing like Indonikin Sue or, or Vontez Perfect and how it's just blatant. Hey, I'm going to leave with my helmet because I have, I, not that I have to, but because I want to. 
So I didn't see that with Dustin Pedroia, and I know Boston fans are going to completely just hate on me about this, but let me. I'm going to be honest with yourself, okay? If the roles reverse, and Johnny Black from the, the Scorecrow, he he meant he brought this up, so I'm going to give him credit. But he said, you know, if if that was Dustin sliding into Manny at second, and and Manny kind of compl- not complained but got hurt, and everybody was saying, oh, that's dirty about Pedroia. Boston fans would say, and he's just a gritty player. And if you don't think that you would say that, then then you're lying to yourself. I, I really, really believe that. I, I'm not trying to be arrogant here, but we do lie to ourselves when we want to protect the players that we love. Like, I get it. I understand. But let's at least own up to it, you know? So that, that's one incident. Um, and then, you know, he, I think he was, he, he got the the ball thrown at his knees. Um, not, not, you know, well, I think it happened because, uh, you know, Joe Kelly does that to everybody, but against Oakland, uh, they had a pitcher and he just, uh, just, just a very dangerous throw. And Manny of the next pitch, I believe he let his bat go and, and they were saying it was targeted to the pitcher, but it almost hit the first, the third base coach. So even if Manny was trying to send a signal, he was a coward and couldn't go through with it. If he's a dirty player, um, he would be able to aim that bat and let it go at the precise moment to, to, to hit a, an opposing player. He was he was trying to send it. It was a stupid message, but but it would very easily could have could have taken that bat and released it at the right time. If you can hit a baseball with a bat, you can certainly let the bat go and hit somebody. And the fact that he held on to it longer, it, it was definitely done intentionally uh, to where it, it came nowhere close to a player. It just shows you that his intent was not there. He did not want to harm somebody. And to me, that's a dirty player is when you want to harm somebody. And then you've got the the slide, the two slides into second base uh, against Milwaukee. Um, the first one, they didn't call it illegal because, you know, Arcia didn't make the throw. The second one was illegal, and, and it's blatant. He, again, it wasn't dirty, though. It was not dirty. He wasn't hurt. He didn't stick his cleat up. Yeah, he might have grabbed him, but that's not being dirty. Stop, stop neglect, not neglecting, but stop taking advantage of that, that word. It was an illegal slide, but that does not mean it was dirty. And then we get to, I think, the biggest thing that that people are are talking about is, you know, he he got called out at first, and he clipped Aguilar's ankle, and 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 Aguilar kind of jumped up because I'm sure it hurt him. Um, I'll tell you this: that was a cheap move. Uh, it was a dirty play. Doesn't make Manny a dirty player, but it was a dirty play. Um, but but let's be honest. Aguilar, if you go back and look at that, and, and and Johnny brought this up as well. If you go back and look at that, a first baseman does not stand on first base like that. I have never seen that, where he's got his foot almost in the middle of the, maybe not his foot in the middle of the bag, but his heel is extending to the middle of the bag. And, and not only that, because it's usually on the side of the bag where the side of his, the outside of his foot is is adjacent, or no, a par- parallel, sorry, parallel with the bag. And then usually as soon as they catch the ball, their foot, you know, springs off the bag because then they're going to do the little around the horn kind of thing if there's nobody on base. Aguilar stood there for an extra beat to send a message to say, hey, we remember the slide, we didn't forget. And so Manny's like, okay, I see your foot. I'm not going to forget either. Um, because, you know, I think it was the next game or the next time Manny was on base, they were chatting. I don't know what they were chatting about, 
But it was funny when when they kept going back and forth after this play, talking. You know, they were arguing. It was fine. It was it was civil as much as arguing can be. But the first base coach came in and separated them and made it look like a lot bigger fight than it really was. And then all the silly players are like, I want a piece of this, you know? Ugh, I'm man, I'm macho, you know? All that bravado and stuff. It, it was not a big deal. I, I saw it. It was uncalled for, but it doesn't, it doesn't make Manny a dirty player. I just, I'm, I am not willing to concede to that yet. I am not willing to say that at this point. Now, if he continues with this type of behavior, if he's not careful, if he if he walks around like he's you know he's got a, a strut on and his his swag and all that kind of stuff and continues to do stuff and play you know the enemy kind of like Jose Bautista, then he's he's going to get everything that that's coming to him. Uh, and I don't mean that's not a threat. It's not like I'm going to come busting down Manny's door and he's like hey. You know, let's meet outside three o'clock after school by the flagpole. You know, nothing like that. I'm not, I'm not threatening. I'm just saying he won't be able to complain when things happen. And he will eventually uh, be seen only as a dirty player. And, and when all of baseball sees you as that, then you kind of have to own that like the scarlet letter. I just, I'm just not there yet. Okay. I, I'm very cautious on these judgments. I'm trying to be objective, but I'm just not there yet. And, and I'll let you read the end of the article because I threw in something that I think is a throwback to my very first episode of the podcast when I alluded to this thing. I, I I told Johnny to leave it in. He, you know, he did, even though he didn't agree with <laughs> with the conclusion, but it was it was funny nonetheless. So that was my first article. Uh entitled Manny, Dirty or Dumb? My conclusion is dumb. He's just a dumb player. Uh the second one I uh, just released yesterday morning, I think. Yeah, yesterday morning, was about these accusations of stealing signs. And does it really make a difference? Okay, so we've had uh, several things. Again, I I want you to read the article. I want you to visit the site. I want you to support the site. And we've had a couple things. Let's see. Cleveland accused the Astros of, you know, sneaking into their bullpen. Um, I'm dug out. I'm sorry. Uh, Taking pictures, pictures, um, taking video of things. And then then Boston accused them of doing the same thing. Same uh, unreported man at first. Eventually, I, I forgot his name. Uh, they found out who the guy's name was, and he was kind of like, not hired, but like contracted to to do this certain thing. And, and what Houston said is, we were trying to make sure that those teams weren't cheating, because we've heard they've they've done that in the past, and there's certain cameras set up certain ways in Fenway, and we just want to make things uh, fair. And it's like, well, that's not your job to control that. You report that, and you let MLB hopefully, <laughs> hopefully do their job, uh, do their investigation. So uh, MLB did, and they found no fault uh, with Houston. Uh, but they did reiterate, this isn't going to go on. This We are not going to tolerate this. And, and then we moved on and they've considered the matter closed. Also, uh, Milwaukee, the Brewers, they were accusing LA of stealing, stealing their signs. And what they said was they, they saw a man, uh, either video recorded a man, um, running back from the hallway. So apparently he saw video, was sprinting back to the dugout where the players are to report possibly a sign that they saw um, to report to a player on second base. And they were saying it only happened when someone was at second so that you know they can see the, the catcher doing the signs and then they can decode it from what was shown in the video and what was um, told to them from the dugout. So that was that, was that accusation. Uh, part of it, I think, is just Brewers fans being salty. Because uh, let's be honest, though, it, it, didn't, it didn't help stealing the signs. They, like, 
the Dodgers, um, let me look here real quick. I think they batted like 222 or something like that. Their slugging percentage was low. So the signs, obviously, were not that big of a deal. Okay, and then I mentioned 2001, there was a, a directive that said, you know, you're not, you can steal signs, but you just can't use a video camera to do it or binoculars. And so it was almost like an, um, an addendum to the rule because something happened with Boston and an Apple Watch and that type of thing. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's not video, but it's definitely, you're not allowed to use devices. Yeah, that's right. That's the word, device. You, you can't do that. So I, th- I think the matter is, is closed. I don't think anybody else is talking about it, but, but here's, here's my assessment on this. There is legal sign stealing and there's illegal. I mentioned the illegal, which is using a device and binoculars. That's that's clearly cheating. And, and I'm sure some teams probably have done that and they'll keep doing it until they get caught. And I'm pretty sure MLB will just do a fine, you know, so it's almost like saying, hey, can you hand me a nickel? Can you put a can you put a dime in the cuss jar and and you know slap it on the wrist and send them to, you know, to their room without dessert? But then you have legal sign stealing sign stealing, meaning it may not. It may be frowned upon. It may not be looked at as you know part of this unwritten rules. Which that's a article and a podcast in and of itself. These unwritten rules, as we've seen evidenced by Ken Griffey uh, Jr.'s commercial. Like, let me just pause. I'm I'm in between. You know what's going on with traditional baseball, modern baseball, and stuff. I just love baseball. But that was an awesome video. And it wasn't like it was just brought out by like TBS or ESPN, how sometimes they create videos because their a channel is getting coverage for National League or American League. This was put out by Major League Baseball and it was not subtle. They're trying to make a point that, hey, it's not that we're moving this direction, but this direction is here. Part of it, I'm like, okay, that that's awesome. But, but let's try not to um, spend so much of our time posturing and not paying attention to the actual, actual game. So anyway, um, after, so you, you've got, you've got that that commercial, um, which is talking about unwritten rules. So legal sign stealing, it, it is one of those unwritten rules. But honestly, I do think we're, we're, we're slowly getting away from that. But the, the fact is, this article is about cheating. So whether it's frowned upon or not, it's still not cheating. And if, if you're a catcher and you can't hide your signs from someone at second who's trying to steal and, and, and realize, okay, this is going to be a breaking ball. I, I can probably steal third base or I can somehow tip the pitch off to the batter and say, hey, this is a strike. This is obviously swing at strikes, hopefully. This is a fastball right down the middle or, or he's going to try to get you a little inside, get a little early with the swing and then they make contact. Like, hey, I'm sorry. That's on, that's on the pitcher for maybe missing his spot or... That's on the catcher for you know not doing a good job of hiding his sign. I'm I'm sorry, like execute, but but here's here's the other like bottom line. And I wish I had spoken more about this conclusion in the article. I didn't spend as much time as I wanted to, but regardless of illegal legal cheating, regardless of of what you do, does it make a difference? And I don't really think it does, unless we find out half the league has been cheating illegally, and then we discipline them, uh, we take away all cameras, and they're suddenly playing a lot, lot worse. Then maybe we can make that assessment. But there's execution. There's there's hitting the ball that's actually thrown. The pitcher could have nodded at a fastball 
and it ends up being a breaking ball because I don't know, the ball does stuff like that. You know, it can be so unpredictable. You know, there's there's stealing, there's there's getting a good jump, even if you know it's going to be an off-speed pitch. Like there's still execution. You still have to hit it. Uh, the pitcher still has to throw it accurately at the right spot. Um, how many times? Get this, and just and just think about it. How many times could a a signal have been stolen from a guy at second, and he was calling for some off speed on the outside corner, and he's kind of telling the the batter, "Hey, maybe take this pitch or whatever." And then the pitcher actually misses his spot, and it's right down the middle. Did that? Maybe that sign stealing actually benefited the pitcher. Have we thought about that? Not not you know intentionally, but it's still a result. So. I just, I just think that um, we all need to just chill out, you know, just, just chill out and stop all the, the, the pointing the finger and saying, oh, they cheated. That's why they won or this or that. It's just, just stop it. it it's obnoxious. It's, it's almost like that one uh, employee that works at your office. That's, that's always trying to, you know, suck up to the, the boss or point the finger at other people or gossiping about others or always trying to get FaceTime with important people. They're obnoxious and no one ends up liking them. And it doesn't make you, it doesn't make them, you know, a better worker. It just means they're good at manipulating and they're obnoxious. So let's not be obnoxious baseball fans. Um, We'll leave that up to the New York Yankees. (laughs) I almost said Boston. I was like, which one do I choose? Um, No, no, you got a lot of, you know, I'm a Baltimore Orioles fan and and I don't think we're obnoxious, but that's because we don't, have anything to cheer for. Um, so anyway, I digress. So that's kind of my assessment, you know, stealing signs and does it really make a difference? I don't think it does. I don't think it makes big enough difference to say that's why they won or that's how they got uh, an advantage or the upper hand on us. If you lose a game, it's because you were outplayed, you know, 98% of the time, 99% of the time. And like I said, Manny, dirty or dumb, dumb. Just dumb, just immature, just irresponsible. Needs to straighten up, but I, I just can't call him a dirty player. So, you know, that's my assessment. Those are my two articles. Uh, I, I really enjoyed writing these. I, I hope you guys enjoyed me kind of expounding upon these ideas. And, and hopefully, uh, if I haven't, I can do better next time. All right, let's go ahead and uh, get into our uh, three strike segment. All right, strike number one. Mookie Betts stole a base, game one. Tacos for everybody. On November 1st, between 2 and 6 p.m. When Benatendi was asked if he would be partaking, uh, he just made a toilet diarrhea joke. And now we can't get that image out of our head. Awesome. Thanks, Benatendi. You could have just not said anything and gone to Chipotle instead. Strike two. Uh, Buddy of mine. Well, I say buddy. I follow him on Twitter and he follows me which is, you know, it's a it's a good thing. Uh, he's actually the executive producer and engineer for the Colorado Rockies Radio Network uh, here in Denver. And so I'm going to try to make the connection with baseball, uh, but it's going to be a stretch. So uh, he posted on Twitter, uh, shout out at Broadcast uh, Jesse. He said, just read that the gal that invented the iconic green bean casserole passed away. He then said, man, one of my favorite things during the holidays is scraping all the crispy onions off the top layer of that dish used to drive his mom, my mom, nuts. Rest easy, green bean queen. Uh, (laughs) I like that. So the connection I'm going to make is my mom always made green bean casserole for me for Thanksgiving 
and you watch football on Thanksgiving, and football's a sport, and so is baseball. So don't at me. All right, strike three. Sorry, this is terrible. This is such a stretch. Chris Sale, this is funny. Chris Sale's reason for missing a game potential game five start of the ALCS is this. This is him, quote, I had irritation from a belly button ring. Sale told reporters, including uh, Jason Mastrodano of the Boston Herald, constantly taking it in and out caused irritation. Doctors and nurses at MGH were awesome. Things happen, you handle them, and you keep moving forward. This would make sense since he is the one that was cutting up the retro White Sox jersey, and I think I'd fine for that. It's official. Chris Sale is either a diva or a psycho. Let's go with both. And those are your three strikes, and I'm out. See ya! Well, folks, that's a wrap. This has been a Ball and Fit podcast production. Take a gander at our website, and remember to follow us on Twitter and subscribe to the show. Thank you for tuning in. Farewell, baseball fans!